Welcome to this week's Energy Show. Now, whether you're a business or a homeowner looking for solar and storage, or a solar contractor or equipment manufacturer, we all want more clean, renewable, reliable power. And we all want it at a more affordable level. Hardware costs, solar panels, batteries, things like that, continue to decline. But the non-hardware costs, we call them soft costs in the solar and storage industry, such as permitting, labor, and overhead, they continue to rise. Now, as a long-term solar contractor, I'm always looking for ways to reduce these soft costs. Basically, everything except the hardware. I've come to the conclusion that there's no magic bullet, no single solution, but there's a lot of small things that can add up that'll really reduce costs for contractors and our customers. Design and engineering costs used to be a huge expense for me. I used to have a room full of 60 engineers and project managers all working on solar projects around the country, and it was really hard to manage and really expensive. By outsourcing the electrical design and the drafting, I've been able to cut the cost for doing this design and engineering work by more than half. And most importantly, I can get the work done in only a couple days. So I've been working with a company called Green Lancer. I look back at my notes for almost seven years. Green Lancer does this ele- the electrical design and some of the physical layout and plant set drafting for our company, Cinnamon Energy Systems. They also do it for, I think, like a thousand other solar contractors around the country. I send them the design, I send them pictures, I send them the equipment and the project details electronically. And then in a day or two, they send back a comprehensive plan set, which we then submit to the local permitting office. So it's my pleasure to have Patrick McCabe, co-founder of Green Lancer, on today's show. And he's joined by Jeremy Dustin, their VP of Solar Services. So welcome to the show, Patrick and Jeremy. Thank you, Barry. We're, it's a pleasure to be on your show. All right, great, great. Give us an overview of the services that Green Lancer provides. Sure. We support, probably support, the boots on the roof, and we have services that include feasibility studies to start the project off, interconnection application services that manage the entire application process with the utility, site acquisition services for commercial developers, permitting services for every type of contractor who may need on-demand permit drafting, as well as professional engineering wet stamps. This includes electrical, structural, or civil engineering. We also have robust project management tasks that we can a customer can outsource to us. And this includes support on all types of projects, not only solar, but solar plus storage, as well as EV charging. So what are the kind of most common, typical customers to whom you provide services? Well, we serve a large variety of different customer types, from the small contractor who's just getting into solar, something that we affectionately call the long-tail installer. But I would say the majority of our customers are pure solar installers. And started with most of our installers in California and on the East Coast, but now the entire country has pure play solar installers who are installing solar. So it's really anybody who needs a solar design, but primarily the pure play solar companies are the ones who utilize Green Lancer the most. How do you do all this design work and handle the fluctuations in demand? Who's actually you know, sitting there at the computer and doing this drafting for you? Well, that's one of the benefits that we've been able to 
developed through our web platform. And what we have tried and, and have successfully done is made it easy for solar firms to access our fulfillment partners. So these fulfillment partners are drafters, engineering firms, as well as design firms around the country and around the world who have worked with Green Lancer to productize their services. And what I mean by productize their services, they have standardized their scope of work, they have standardized the price and the delivery time per project type and application. This makes it easy for the solar installer to utilize Green Lancer's platform to access immediate on-demand quotes and then be able to check out online any time of day. So really, the Green Lancer platform is connecting or better connecting the solar installer with the actual engineering firm who's going to be performing the work. So you guys are really platform, and that's what I access, or that's what our project managers here access. When they have a permit, they'll send the information through your software cloud-based platform, and then you guys somehow distribute that to freelance companies and companies that specialize in this, who then do the work via your platform, resubmit it to the platform, let us know when it's done, and then you know we take a look at it and make sure it's okay, and then kind of go from there. It's a great model because I tried to outsource things a dozen years ago, and it kind of sometimes worked, but it was really hard to coordinate, and you know we we didn't always have the volume they wanted. As far as our partners did, outsource partners, and they didn't always have the capacity to do work that we needed. So I guess you guys have enough of outsourcing partners so you can level out that workload. That's exactly right. We're able to leverage a bunch of small teams around the country and really be able to flex with the demand that's being placed on our system by the solar installers. Our team here in Detroit, it's a small team, and we basically do account support, account management, and then triage any issues there are along the way. So really, at the end of the day, our team here is doing web development, as well as client support. And that's really what we're trying to specialize in is that high level of customer support. There's not very many engineering firms that are out there who focus on customer usability and customer support. That's really where we think we could set ourselves apart on top of having this web platform that really allows us to leverage a large amount of throughput with a very small amount of team. All right. It's a great concept, and it's been working for us for a long time. So let's take a step away from kind of the technology of your platform, and let's talk about ways that contractors can reduce solar and storage installation costs. And I'm always saying storage in there because the majority of our jobs are now turning into be solar and storage. But really good to get your insights because you see so many things going on. What are some of the highlights that you see as far as ways of reducing costs in our industry? Yeah, sure, absolutely. And, you know, obviously being heavily focused in the, you know, in the permitting process and assisting installers nationwide with their permitting process, it's establishing a standardized process to truly manage the volume of projects you want to pull permits for. And that comes from, you know, collecting the correct information while you're on site, understanding the proposal you're, you know, you're shipping to customers. And on top of that, making sure we understand the local permitting requirements by your local building departments. This includes, you know, what needs to be shown on drawings and you know, these are things that we at Green Lancer can help out with. And having worked with over 100,000 projects, we've become very familiar with this as a, as a permitting solution nationwide. So anything specific besides just kind of a process-oriented approach, which is the way it's got to be done? Yeah, you really need to build a relationship with your local building department. Ultimately, they're the ones that will really improve 
kind of experience that you have and the speed at which you'll pull up permits. You know, most installers just want to get up on the roof and get the jobs done here. And, you know, we realize, uh, you know, more often than not that, you know, different headaches and delays can cause major pain points in that installation process. So, you know, establishing, you know, just a firm, you know, connection with that local building department, understanding their needs, something that can truly help uh, with the speed and pulling permits. I'm really glad you identified that in terms of the building departments, knowing who you are, knowing the person that's dropping off the permit, having a person to talk to in the office on engineering, really important. And then it makes it easier for your strong local contractors who can establish those relationships, you know, say in a 50-mile radius or whatever, one-hour radius, as opposed to kind of a huge national firm that, that is going to have a hard time dealing with people in, you know, Austin, Texas, Nutley, New Jersey, Salt Lake City, and, and San Jose, which... <laughs> tried it to at one point. So the relationships are really, really good. And that's something that could start right at the beginning of the project. As soon as you know that you have a potential homeowner on the line or a potential solar project that's going to happen, it's probably best to reach out to the building department at that point. And even before you submit the plan, see if you can get a pre-submittal, a plan reviewer to, you know, on the side, be able to take a look at it really quick just to make sure that you have all the special requirements taken care of before you actually submit. And that'll save a lot of trips to the billing department. We work probably with 15,000 projects a year. A hefty amount of those come back from the jurisdiction. I would say about 15%. So even with people having a standardized process, you have to know the requirements from the billing department to be able to get that rate, that success rate, much higher. You know, our process includes the details for about, you know, two dozen of the jurisdictions in which we work. We don't work in any more than that. But, we, you know, we have a list. This is how much the permit costs. This is what they ask about batteries. These are any special requirements. And they're always changing, especially with batteries. But it really, really helps us to reduce those costs and get through that process quickly. Okay, so we talked about, you know, some of these things that can be done to reduce costs. What are some of your tips to contractors for doing this solar and storage site assessment efficiently? Sure. Well, you know, for the first and foremost, having a checklist is probably where anybody should start who's attempting to do a site evaluation. Some of the more senior solar specialists out there will know that having a checklist is the fastest way to make sure you're gathering everything while on site. And some of them even probably have digital means of capturing that information, which is probably faster to be able to communicate the information once it's in the office. But in terms of doing a thorough site assessment, we've got a couple bullet points here we'd, we'd like to share. Jeremy, you want to go over the first one? Yeah, yeah. The idea is that, you know, you really want to understand, you know, the available roof space. You know, where's uh, where's their shading on the roof? You know, what, you know, you need to identify a great, uh, you know, great place for solar. And then on top of that, you know, the size of the system you can put on top of that roof. You know, this could be shading from trees, roof obstructions, other roof pitches, things like that. And we also need to have a good understanding of the existing roof structure, pitch, the roof pitch, and also, you know, the size and spacing and span of the different trusses or rafters or whatever roof structure you're working with here. That's going to be extremely important, especially if a structural engineer's wet stamp is required on the plans. And so being able to get a picture with a measuring tape showing the span, also the spacing of the rafters, and getting up close and identifying what type of rafter that is. Is it a 2x6? Is it a 2x8? As well as the truss orientation. These will all be very important for the structural engineer. That's right. Yeah, that's one of the biggest reasons contractors have to go out on site once again to recollect information. Again, just another form of waste we try to avoid in you know a thorough site visit. 
more information we need is more information about the existing electrical panel, maybe any sub-panels that you have, the size of those main panels, the main breakers, and any, any photos that we can collect on site are definitely incredibly valuable to the designers sitting remotely doing these designs. You know, it's interesting how the requirements vary from place to place in the country. So when I used to do installations on the East Coast or, you know, more northerly climates compared to San Jose, um, there was more information needed about the rooftops. Here in San Jose or, you know, Silicon Valley area, never, I mean, we, we they, they care a little bit about it, but there's only one jurisdiction that kind of gets picky about the exact roof structure. And the reason is we don't have any snow. So as long as, as, long as the house was mm-hmm. built after World War One, it's almost always going to be enough to support the two and a half pounds a square foot load. Now, but there is an area that really last year started to clobber us as far as site assessments. And that's related to the, the installation of the battery system. So finding a place for a 200 plus pound battery on the wall with conduit that's that's meets the local jurisdiction's requirements is a lot trickier than finding a place for, you know, a little inverter that hangs on the side of the wall. What are you guys seeing with some of the unique challenges that battery storage systems bring doing these site assessments? That's right, Barry. No, I remember specifically working with you on, on that issue here, and it's new. It's something that is just a, an unknown for a lot of building inspectors, you know, seeing a 200-pound battery mounted on a, the, sides of the, the sides of the wall, and it's valid. You know, you want to make sure that, that the, the wall will withstand it. You don't want, you know, any failure from your structure when you mount the battery. So just getting a clear understanding of the requirements from the local building departments. Are they familiar with this? Do they need to be educated? And there's nothing wrong with that. They just need to make sure that everyone's working on the same page and working towards the same goal. Yeah, so, all right, so here's some advice for all contractors and all homeowners. Buckle up your seatbelts because it's not really a question about what the contractor is designing or a question about what the a company like Green Lancer is designing. It's a question about what the local city, what the local jurisdiction wants, and they don't know what they want. Because these systems are so new. So, boy, Jeremy, you know, we worked for like six months to kind of figure out what San Jose wanted on that. It took a long time. And they have historically been the most efficient and fastest building department when it comes to solar. And they're still trying to find their way with storage. It's really tricky. They changed again and again and again. And now we're encountering that same thing with smaller jurisdictions. Like, oh, the battery has to be more than, you know, 24 inches off the ground. Or you have to use these screws. Or it can't be more than, has to be more more than three feet away from a door or a window, or if you put it inside, it has to have special signs on the wall and smoke. All these things are crazy. So it's challenging for our industry with new technology to, to kind of get through that. And extra costs and delays are to be expected until these things settle down. No, and you're absolutely right. And uh, no, I am glad that we did come to a resolution on uh, you know what we were working on. And it's great. And I think uh, you know we just lose track of the, uh, the education out there. And, you know, obviously we see these projects all day long, you know, days and months at a time. Going into a new building department that may not be familiar with this new technology is a challenge. And, you know, there's a certain education component that goes with it, also being patient. But there's ways that we can, you know, meet these requirements. We do this a lot. We know what's required, and we're happy to make that happen. Yep, yep. All right, so what are some of the things that contractors can do to avoid issues with the plan checkers and the inspectors? Sure. Well, first and foremost, the the creation of a good rapport with the plan checker is probably the most important, other than having a very comprehensive set of plans that meet their local jurisdiction requirements. That's probably the first and foremost thing. Jeremy, do you have a suggestion? Yeah, you know, what I've seen is, you know, trying to put myself in the, the 
building department's shoes, you know, and you know, I know they work with installers that are looking to pull permits on jobs maybe that are drawn on the back of a napkin and maybe a lot of the quality isn't there and I can understand that it can be frustrating. So just trying to understand kind of maybe, you know, understanding that the pre, the plan they reviewed in the past may not be the, you know, as high of a quality as the one that we submit. Just kind of giving them, you know, the time of day, giving, you know, showing some patience and just show that, you know, we're willing to, you know, make sure that we have the same goal in mind. We really want to make sure that the, the system we install is going to be safe for the homeowner, it's going to be safe for everyone involved, and, you know, we don't run into any issues because it meets local building code. That's ultimately what we want. And, you know, if we just try to identify that we're all working on the same page here, trying to get the same thing accomplished, we do see a higher success rate. Yeah, it definitely makes sense. And as far as you know, working with local building inspectors, they have a lot of good suggestions. And you have to make sure that you're their friend as opposed to their enemy. And that means just jumping through whatever hoops they set up in, in advance. Just in terms of running the contracting business, what are some tips that you see for, for other solar contractors that are going to be most efficient? Yeah, sure. It's interesting. One of our newest uh, colleagues was actually an you know, installer in Michigan and just started working with us about eight months ago. He's done you know, a lot of great work the way he built his company on the installation side. So that's kind of where I pull uh, some experience from there. And, you know, he was very consistent on, on customer quality, being responsive, making sure you're there to answer these questions that, you know, again, may seem like second nature to us, but very unfamiliar from a new, a new homeowner looking to go solar. So just from a contractor standpoint, you know, just being there for, uh, for your customer, answering questions and reassuring them that, uh, you know, this process takes time, setting clear expectations on what they can expect, phone calls back, building a good relationship with your homeowner does yield great results. And, uh, you know, I think that it's overlooked a lot of times in the contracting world and especially in our industry where it's complicated. It's not, it's not, the, it's not you know, just like putting a generator up or something like that. It's, it's complicated stuff. And just working with everyone, making sure everyone's working on the same page, setting the right expectations, we see a lot of great results. Yeah, it's a challenge because, you know, some of the business models in the industry are, you know, there's a company that does the marketing and gets the leads. There's a company that sets the appointment. There's a company that sells the deal. Then there's another company that installs it. And sometimes there's another company that finances it. And so customers sometimes don't know who they're dealing with. In many cases, they are really indeed dealing with three or four companies that are signing papers with them. So setting the right expectations is really, really important. All right. Well, you know, I remember going to SPI. might have been, I mean, I always been going to SPI, but maybe in 2012 or 2013, and they had an awards program. And, and Green Lancer, I think, won as the best startup. What was your impetus to starting Green Lancer? Sure. So, Barry, I used to work out in California for a solar installer called Borrego Solar out of San Diego. And in that time, I went from being like a residential design engineer to more of a sales engineer. And I was working for the commercial projects group uh, where I was supporting a lot of different sales engineers or a lot of sales personnel around the country. I developed the skills, I started standardizing the processes, the intake forms, etc., and eventually that has become Green Lancer. Standardizing the processes, standardizing the deliverable, making it easier for the solar contractors to be able to access the services. And so when I came back to Detroit, we had a rebate program in place. I was able to build up a small customer base. You know, we, we won Startup Alley with kind of an idea. Eventually, we jumped in the proverbial shark tank, and we raised venture capital to build out the technology. When Green Lancer was first started, it was Green Energy Freelancer. That was actually literally what the business model was. We were using a network of freelancers, and that ended up kind of being like herding cats. It was very difficult 
to maintain that network because freelancers were coming and going. And so we've pivoted around 2016, 2017 to stop using freelancers and independent contractors, and we moved towards using actual engineering firms and design firms and drafting firms that specialize in what they do. And they have their own employees, they have their own training, they have essentially all the things that we need and the expertise to be able to fulfill. And we tie it all together with our technology platform. So the, the impetus, you know, was really high soft cost, low access to expertise, and seeing an opportunity to be able to scale essentially a concept that had started back in San Diego to something that now services over 3,000 contractors. We've had over $100,000 or 100,000 projects pushed through our platform in access design engineering. And if you added that all up, it's over a billion dollars of solar that's been deployed. And so we've been really proud. Jeremy came on. He was probably our third or fourth employee. He's been with us seven years, and he's been a, a real catalyst to help kind of create what we've got, the culture here at Green Lancer, which is it's a great place to work, and it's been a, it's a great mission that we're doing every day. Well, in my view, you guys are one of the best soft-cost success stories in the whole solar and storage industry, so congratulations. Everybody's growing all around the country, and now it's going into hyperdrive with storage. How can solar and storage contractors get in touch with Green Lancer? Simple. Just give us a call. We are open uh, 866-436-1440. Find us on uh, any of the social media platforms, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and visit us at greenlancer.com. We've got many ways you can contact us. We'd love to hear your stories, love to hear your pain points, and love to see if we can find a way to help. All right. Terrific. Well, that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks, Patrick and Jeremy, for joining us. And thanks to all of our listeners for tuning in. If you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamon.energy and listen to the podcast. 